Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast SheCast episode 96. And I'm on with Dr. Jessica Cap. She is a professor at University of Arizona in geology. And so I'll tell you a funny story. Well, it's not a funny story, actually, Dr. Cap afterwards, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words. Yeah, I heard this on your other cast. You ask people this question, so I thought about it. Um, it's, such a, it's actually a really interesting question, right? Because I could list all the things about me that most people launch into, right? I'm a geologist, sure. and I'm a teacher, and I'm a mother, and I'm a wife, and, and all of these things. Um, but, you know, in my own words, I sort of think of myself as um, just sort of a woman in the world trying to find her way, you know? That's really how I think of myself these days. And so I've sort of, I have a, you know, side projects. I, I'm a writer and I'm trying to publish a book and, um, you know, I'm passionate about women in science and, um, you know, I love music and I love spending time with my children. And those are the things that I think really define me these days. So that's how I would describe myself. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so friends, just to bring you up to speed, uh, Dr. Cap is in geology and so she is a woman in science and Sometimes that's not the most friendly place. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> yes. So I fell down a rabbit hole of reading article after article about different, not, I mean, definitely injustices, but just how if you are an outspoken woman in academia or higher education, uh, there is a higher propensity to experience discrimination and or uh, harassment. Mm -hmm. And so I found out that Dr. Cap was actually on a watch list created by, I don't know if they're all wrong, that's my term for alt-right, but definitely a conservative student group. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Tell me about that. Like, how did you end up on that watch list and what impact did it have both physically, uh, psychologically, emotionally? Yeah, it was a huge surprise. So I teach um, mainly introductory geology for non-science majors, which I absolutely love because this is how I found geology. I was a non-science major and I had to take science. So I was in one of these huge lecture classes where, sure. right? And um, so that's what I teach. And I really relish the opportunity to sort of bring science to students who maybe don't care about it and try to make them enthusiastic about it in some way. So I was teaching this class and it's a science class. So when I teach a science class, I teach science. I don't talk politics. I don't talk about religion. I don't talk about my personal views on those types of things. Um, However, I do share my social media um, platforms with my students if they're interested. It's not part of their class requirement or anything like that. But um, sometimes, you know, in this day and age, this is how students communicate very often. And I find that it makes me seem a little more human to them if they can find me online. And so, you know, I have a website and I have a blog and all those things. And usually this is great. Students love it. You know, they tweet at me and we share pictures and, you know, stories about volcanoes and all these kinds of things. Um, unfortunately, I uh, 
was sort of called out by a student because I wrote a blog post shortly after the um, election of our president and it rubbed a student the wrong way. They didn't like it. It was, you know, very um, political. And this student, um, she went to this organization basically um, behind my back. And um, this was a different organization than the watch list. It was an org organization called Campus Reform. And they claim to be the watchdogs of college campuses all around the nation, trying to keep tabs on those of us who are spewing leftist you know, propaganda in our classrooms. <laughs> Which again, I'd like to stress this had nothing to do with my class. This was a personal blog post that this student had chosen to read. Um, and the next thing you know, campus reform had sort of you know, spread the message out from there and sent it to um, Turning Point, who are the group that keep the watch list. And also, um, they had contacted people here in Tucson, um, local conservative radio stations were calling me that next morning, you know, we want you on the show, we want you to defend yourself, you know, these kinds of things. Um, and so I woke up the morning after I posted it to um, an inbox flooded with, you know, just horrible uh, hate mail and threats. Um, I got a call from my department chair saying that, People are calling the president of the university. They want you fired, you know, these, these sorts of things. And it was um, all because of a personal blog post on a blog that nobody reads, by the way. It's not like I have a platform of millions of people. So this was really shocking. And so the effect was uh, physical in the sense that I just felt sick, you know, for, for probably two weeks. I felt sick almost every day of my life, waking up and thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to lose my job. Um, I did something wrong you know, having this opinion was wrong, which looking back, that's a ridiculous thing to think, right? I mean, that was the way I felt about it. And I had a right to say those things. Um, and, and then emotionally, I believed that um, I had done something unprofessional. And I thought that maybe being an academic, I shouldn't have said things like that. I shouldn't have even written a blog post about a personal opinion, because I'm, you know, I'm a professor, and I have this, you know, this persona to uphold. And it was, um, it was devastating for a, for a chunk of time. It was, I didn't leave the house and I, I didn't want to show my face at work. Um, but I worked through that, you know, it came, it evolved sure. from there, but that was the initial, the initial reaction to the, to sure. do that. To the and were you, did you feel supported or who was kind of supporting you through this as you walk through it? Yeah, I was actually lucky that um, my university was very supportive. So they are, you know, firm believers in the First Amendment and free speech. And they, look, this is your personal blog and you have a right to do whatever, you know, on your own personal time and on your own personal website. Um, they didn't ask me to take the post down, but I chose to because the harassment wouldn't stop. You know, as long as the post was up, things kept coming in and I would try to block people. But I was spending hours a day just trying to block people and erase things and, you know, all that stuff. So I ended up pulling it. Um, by my own choice, but the university was very supportive. My chair was supportive. You know, my husband was supportive. Nobody said to me, why did you do that? Um, but that's how I felt. You know, that was my reaction. And I think a lot of that is because I'm a woman and I worried about my reputation in academia and what was going to happen and how people were going to perceive me after seeing that piece and the reaction to that piece. Sure. Yeah. So, Dr. Cap, one of the things that I think about as you're sharing your experience, and I'm really sorry that that's what you had to go through because that is completely inappropriate and 
your quote unquote, so I'm using air quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sin, right? right? Or crime does not rise to the level of the punishment or the treatment with which you had to endure. Mm-hmm. And I've read this time and time again. I sent you a link actually yesterday, I think, or a couple of days ago. Right. With the same thing happening to another professor. And what was interesting in that article was that the professor by Twitter trolls was called Ms. and her last name instead of professor. Right. Her last name. Whereas another academic that was attempting to spar with her via Twitter. Right. Uh, he was being referenced as professor and his last name. And so what do you think about that? I have my own thoughts, but I would love to hear what you think about. Yeah. Well, I have that actually same experience. When this happened, my official title was actually um, senior lecturer. I've since been promoted to professor of practice. So now officially my title is professor. But at the time, that was one of the first comments I got was from a man saying, um, she's not even a professor, so how can we even give her any credence? This, there's no, nothing she says make, means anything. Um, and then he went on to say explicit things about how I should be treated, how basic, the gist of his response was the only thing you're good for is to be quiet and, and basically lay down for men, and um, you're not even a professor. Um, so I feel like the the title issue is so interesting because I feel like people assume if a man says he's in academia or he's a, a geologist or a scientist, they go right to doctor, they go right to professor. And with a woman, it's, you know, and, I, and I'm not sure that that always means that people think less of you. I think it's it's a sort of a knee-jerk reaction that people have like, oh, you're a scientist. You know, what are you getting your doctorate? Are you getting your master's? Or no, you're a doc. Oh, you're a doctor. I mean, I had a friend once for years when she first found out I had a doctorate, her reaction was like, what? You're a doctor? You know, this is a friend, you know, someone I had spent a lot of time with and it just never came up because it's not like I meet people and go, by the way, you know, I have a PhD. You don't do that when you meet people. Um, And so it's, why is it so shocking still in the day and age for a woman to have a PhD, to be a doctor, and then what does it matter if your title is lecturer or instructor or professor? What does it matter? I I don't understand, but apparently it matters to people who want, you know, to tear you down on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I believe there is a level of elitism within academia, right? And higher education. And I don't love it. I I didn't used to think it existed until... (laughs) Yeah, I ended up being a researcher in academia, right? Right. And there is that. Um, right. But you speak to a larger issue of sometimes the easiest thing to do. What I've seen, and I'm speaking in gendered language, friends, is that it's easiest to talk about a woman's appearance, mm-hmm. what they're able to do, or what they ought to be doing, mm-hmm. and nothing else. And so everything else is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we can carry children, that's important. The fact that 
we need to be submissive in any role, whether in the home or outside of the home. That's important and that's highlighted. And I noticed that during the circus of an election cycle in mm-hmm. 2016, a lot of stuff was being said negatively about Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. as a candidate that was not being said about Donald Trump. And what's interesting is a lot of people targeted that she stayed with her husband despite the infidelity. And these were people who are so-called family values enthusiasts, right? And so had she left, that would have been a problem. Because she stayed, that was a problem. Because she wears pantsuits, that's a problem. Because her hair is short, that's a problem. And so it's so easy for women to be targeted for things that are really irrelevant. Yes, I mean, my size, my shape, Right. What I look like, that I choose to wear red lipstick a lot, like that is irrelevant to what's happening in my brain, right? Right. But that's the easiest thing to target. And yeah, what ends up happening, friends, is that, you know, Dr. Cap is being probably PG in terms of the comments that she received. And if you feel comfortable sharing some of the most vile ones, mm-hmm. you have a platform here to do so. If you don't, we completely respect and honor and appreciate that. Some people have been um, told that they should kill themselves, mm-hmm. so they should commit suicide. They should be sexually assaulted or raped. Mm-hmm. Um, one woman uh, in academia, she was to- she has a septum ring, so that's a kind of nose ring that either comes down underneath, depending on how the earring is placed, or goes through the nose and the nostrils, both sides that she should been dragged by a pickup truck with her septum piercing. Yes. Right. And that is completely vile. So anyone who says that they are pro-life and they believe that this is acceptable behavior of any human being is, I'm a call BS on that because that's just not (laughs) accurate, right? That's not an accurate portrayal. Yeah. And it goes to such great violence and depravity that it's very, very concerning. So did you fear for your life or your security, your sense of um, space and um, safety? I did a little bit. I, I didn't have anyone say they wanted to find me and kill me in that sense, but I did have people make comments like, you know, you should be dragged behind a dumpster and beaten Um, you know, you should just get on your back and shut up. You should, you know, those kinds of things. Um, There was one person who was pretty local, um, lived close to Tucson, who was sort of ominous in the sense that she found me on pretty much every platform I had, you know, my email, my Twitter, my Facebook page. Um, And no matter how many times I blocked her, she would find another way to sort of get in touch with me and say things like, I'm not going to quit until this story is out. I'm going to contact CBS News. I'm going to contact NPR. I'm going to contact, you know, just listing all of these places. And she was one of the people who had contacted the president here at the university and said, you know, she should be fired. Um, I had people saying, you know, she shouldn't be allowed to teach the children with those types of views. And it it brings me to another point that uh, a, a larger issue that is so important to me around this is that, you know, I'm at an academic institution where we teach adults. This is a place where free flow of ideas is supposed to be encouraged and critical thinking and challenging people's views and challenging people, what people think that they know. If you can't do it here, where can you do it? And so for people to say, you know, she shouldn't be allowed to teach the children 
um, to me is just very strange. And also, again, this had nothing to do with my teaching or what I was doing in the classroom. So um, if a student is choosing to read something that I've said to them, this is my personal website and you do not have to ever go to it, but if you're interested to choose to do that and then you know, decide that this was a reason that I should be fired, um, I find not very independently thinking and not very, um, you know, to be quite frank, it's not very progressive and it's not, I don't think it has a place on a college campus. If this is the way that, if you believe, right, that people should be penned in and what they're able to think and express, why are you at a university? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, and I, but I will say this, the student who blew me in was a student that I had spent a lot of time with over the course of the semester. Um, a young woman who came to office hours regularly, needed help, wanted help, and I gave help to the student as I would with any student. And so that also shocked me that you, you know, it's just like you're talking about this, this sort of um, hypocritical nature of these types of arguments. Like you you, you need me in one sense and you respect me and you want my help. And then you turn around and say, but you shouldn't be here. You should be fired and you shouldn't be teaching students. And so there, and I think that happens more, so much more with women. I really don't believe if I had written that piece as a man, that this student would have done what she did. Um, and I also, this brings, it just made me think when you were talking about the way that women are portrayed and seen and what, people value when they think of women. Um, several of my female colleagues and I have talked about the fact that as women, we have to think a lot more about how we behave in the classroom because of what students will say on a teaching evaluation based purely on the fact that you're a woman. So I've done this experiment. I have a colleague here at U of A who is an amazing instructor, but he is a huge personality. He's very arrogant. He can come off a little bit aloof and he doesn't take any crap from anyone. And we co-taught some courses together. And I tried one semester, okay, I'm going to interact with the class the way he does and see what happens. And I don't usually, I'm not usually that way. I'm a very nurturing sort of stereotypical air quotes, nurturing woman, right? My students like that about sure. me. And the semester that I went off book and went a little rogue and decided I was going to be the tough, aloof, sort of smart professor type. I got creamed in my evaluations. I mean, students called me a bitch. They said, you know, she's a horrible bitch and she's this and that and the other. And that was the only semester of my, you know, 14 year teaching career that I've ever had comments like that. And I realized it was because I'm a woman. It had That's nothing right. to do with what I was teaching. It had nothing to do with how effective my strategies were. It was just because I tried to be tough um, like he was. And when he was tough, you know, his evaluations are amazing. He's smart. He's called smart. He's called tough. He's called uh, rigorous, but I'm called a bitch. That's and right. You, so, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you say with women, it's all about how do you sound? You know, are you gentle? Do you smile? Are you welcoming? Do you dress properly? Are you well put together? Those are the things that even students are responding to without even thinking about it, right? Yep. Um, so it, it's pervasive. It's pervasive is what I'm trying to say. It, it is pervasive because even, I don't know if you've seen the video and if you haven't, I'll send it to you. I'll find it on Facebook and send it to you. But there's a video floating and I think it's somewhere else. I don't think it's in the U.S. Oh, it might be in the U.S. because I think they're in like Brooklyn, New York City area where women continuously get asked to smile. 
mm-hmm. like we're the court jester. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. I can't have just come from the hospital because I have an ailing family member. I don't feel right. like flipping smiling. Right. You smile, right? right. If you want to see a smile, look in the mirror and smile at yourself, right? right? right. I'm not here for you, and I'm going to continue to take up appropriate space um, yes. because I belong here, mm-hmm. but not unless you have a purpose, right? And so that right. therein lies some of the issue where it's very easy to go dark, mm-hmm. go negative, or go be nefarious in the response to women. And I would add, because I'm a woman of color, Mm-hmm. that there's even more. Um, because if I'm assertive, I get called aggressive. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not being aggressive. Right. I'm simply saying no. <laughs> I'm not right. going to put up with your nonsense, you know? Right, right. And I usually say things that are challenging and difficult personally with a smile because then you can't get it wrong. You can't say, oh, well, she was such a bit. No, actually. Right. Right. <laughs> I was kind. Yes. I yes. just told you. Yes. I do not like that. No, yes. I don't have a nickname. My name is Chidima and I like that name. There is no right. nickname for you, right? Yes. So it just all kind of um it depends. So um Professor Cap, question for you. What are some questions that people ask? Um and it sounds like you had a really supportive uh, environment and then we'll kind of move on to a different topic. Um, sure. because I have read some of your stuff and I really appreciate it. And that's another reason I wanted you to come on. But what are some questions? Um, anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I have certain questions that I absolutely hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are in relation to you know, surviving domestic violence, surviving sexual assault, uh, living with mental illness. And so some of the questions that I personally dislike, um, and I would say hate is, uh, um, <laughs> what was she wearing? Was she drunk or high? Right. Why doesn't she just leave? So in thinking about your own experience, what are some questions that maybe some, uh, not so supportive folks in your life or in your community or in your circles may have asked you, that um, you'd like to share with people just so that they get a sense of the impact of those unhelpful questions? Yeah, you know, my experience was a little different because it wasn't, um, I wasn't being quote unquote assaulted or harassed, you know, face to face or in person. Um, And so it was all online. And so it was a really strange sort of space to experience that because the truth of the matter is you can really just, um, avoid it if you want to. But one of the questions was, you know, why don't you just, you know, don't, don't look at your email. And, um, that's really hard when you work, you know, I, I'm a working woman and I work, I use email every single day. I have to use it. And the fact that things were, because all my platforms are connected to my email and things were just coming in, beeping in, you know, ding, ding, ding. It was impossible for me to work. Even if I wanted to put myself in that headspace where I'm just not going to let it bother me. Um, it was impossible to to produce anything, to do any sort of work um, and have the computer on because as soon as I opened the computer, things were just pouring in. And and so then people would say, well, why don't you just block people? Well, yes, I, I'm doing that. But again, it's taking hours of my life to go in and figure out who are these people and how do they block them. And by the way, um, you know, Twitter and Facebook aren't great about supporting people 
who are being harassed. I mean, I did uh, submit, um, you know, reports about this one person in particular who was hunting me down and saying all these things. And they said, no, we can't do anything about it. You know, she can do whatever she wants. And uh, all you can do is block the person. Um, but imagine if I was a somebody, right, quote, somebody with a large platform. Imagine I had millions of people following my blog or reading my stuff. Um, how much time it would take to have to go in and block every person who's harassing you online. Um, you know, this is unrealistic. And so, uh, and I also had one colleague who said to me, well, why can't you just start a separate Twitter account that you use for students? Um, and then you don't include any links or anything there to your personal opinions or your personal pieces. Um, and at first I thought that seemed really reasonable and professional and yes, that's what I should have done. And then I realized this is stupid. I'm a human being with a Twitter account that links to my blog. And all I did was tell my students, if you want to find me on social media, this is where I am. You don't have to, but here it is. What is wrong with that? Especially in this day and age when this is how people connect, right? Um, again, just because you're a professor, it doesn't mean you're not a human being. It doesn't, it doesn't put you on some pedestal where you can't have thoughts and you can't express yourself outside of your classroom in your own personal way. So that was really hard. I think the hardest thing for me though was, you know, my mom was very um, upset by this, which obviously she would be because people were saying horrible things, right? And so you know, she at one point asked me, you know, why, why did you write it? You know, why did you put that out there? And, and it, it was hard it, because, you know, on the one hand you want to say, because I'm an adult and I can do and say what I want. And it was important to me. I felt strongly about this and I had something to say. And on the other hand, you want to apologize to your mother and say, I'm so sorry, I'm putting you through this because it's got to be horrible to watch your kid be threatened online and, um, you know, have people say horrible things to them. So those were really my experiences. And I feel like, um, you know, I, I wish that people had just sort of instead said that piece was amazing and, and I stand behind it. And you do, you know, there's no, these people are crazy. You know, you shouldn't have to endure this type of harassment and there's nothing you did that was wrong. And some people did say that, but, but people I think immediately launch into the questions and they might think they're being helpful, right? Um, but when you're suffering like that and you're struggling and you f you're doubting yourself and you feel like you did something wrong and then to have people question you, it's almost like they're reinforcing that you did something wrong. That's right. Well, yeah. and, and thank you for that. Yeah. It, the point is, is that the onus falls squarely on the survivor, right? right or the victim right. in the situation. And so when you are being asked those type of questions, not only have you been victimized, but you get re-victimized whenever mm -hmm. you're asked this sort of question, because mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to think about if it's not part of the course content, the mm -hmm. curriculum, right. it's something you do on your own time. You're not spending time doing it when you should be doing other things related to your role as a professor. Right. It is something in addition to, right? It's just mm -hmm. like when I ask people, describe yourself or introduce yourself in your own words. We yeah. are so many people, so many things, like so many complex identities mm -hmm. make up who we are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have opinions outside of what we might teach. I mean, I yeah. teach yoga, I teach fitness classes, I teach health and wellness classes about essential oils. And essentially all of it's about empowerment. And yet I am just 
I'm not just that, right? I have right. opinions about what's happening in our country. I have opinions about what's happening in my home life, you know. So all of these things are valid. Yeah. And that is the important piece is to continue to validate survivors of this sort of behavior because it's really horrific. It has an impact, friends, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, even it, it has an impact. And so this is schoolyard bullying, except for yeah. it's elevated or I, what's the opposite of elevated? It's, it's actually gotten worse because people have are able to hide behind keyboards and they're able to be anonymous and they're able to um, have, I mean, some people have multiple accounts just for the sole purposes of trolling others, right. which is right. I want them to get help. I want them, I want these type of people to get help. So when you think about, if you're thinking about saying something really terrible to somebody, think twice about it because right. it's just not helpful and it's just not adding to any value. And Dr. Cap is very open. And so I'm sure if these students that were concerned would have booked some yeah. time with her, scheduled time with her, you know, yeah. you would have been more than willing to chat about it. So, well, that, yeah, that was, I was going to say, as you were talking, I actually thought, cause it was one student and I actually thought to myself, I've had this woman in my office many times. Why didn't she just come to my office and say, Dr. Kep, I was really upset about that piece you wrote. And can we talk about it? I would have loved that. Like, honest to God, I would have loved that. I would have relished the opportunity to have a conversation with another adult, a young woman, right, about our opinions. And because I'm open to those opinions. And in fact, um, my students were sort of all a Twitter the following week. You know, the classroom had this energy to it when I came back to work the following week. And I knew, oh my gosh, the students know what's going on because some of them do follow things on, you know, they would have seen these horrible comments mm -hmm. and tweets coming into me. So I asked um, in particular some of my students who I knew were very conservative. And these were students, you know, it was during the election cycle. They were wearing Trump t-shirts and things like this to class. And yet, I really enjoyed these students in my class. They were very bright. They asked great questions. So I went up to them and said, hey, you saw what happened. You know, what would you think? And um, every single one of them that I reached out to said, well, I really didn't like your piece. However, um, you know, it's your right to say that. It's your opinion. And I thought to myself, okay, so why wasn't it like that with this one other person? And it made me wonder you know, what is going on in her life that makes her feel like this is the way that she needs to handle the situation and, you know, trying not to judge what she did in, a, in an angry way, um, even though I was very upset by it and angry at first, but maybe there's a, a bigger issue here that she's struggling with and this is how she felt she had to deal. But the interesting thing is that, you know, she did this believing she was anonymous, right? And I actually got contacted by someone I didn't even know who knew her. And he wrote to me sort of offline, you know, on a Facebook message and said, you don't know me. However, I know who did this to you. <laughs> and so the other thing I would warn people is you may have multiple accounts and think that you're anonymous and think that you're really tough sitting behind your computer screen and saying horrible things. But someone always knows who you are and what you're doing. And it gets around. And it's, it's something that not only will stick with me forever, but it's going to stick with her forever. I really believe that she, her, her whole life she's going to remember and sort of feel something about what happened in that class over a blog post. And my hope is that someday she's going to look back and realize, you know, it probably wasn't worth it. 
um, in the end, we could have had a wonderful conversation and sort of expressed ourselves with each other instead of trying to get someone fired <laughs> behind the scenes. I don't know. That's just, I think it would have been more productive. No, it's true. I'm a firm believer. I don't believe in general that shaming folks is the right way to go. However, in these cases, I do think that calling it out and calling attention to people who do these sort of vile things is really important. It happened with two guys in New York. Um, they happened to be two white men, one in his late, late 20s, one in his mid-30s. And they both were vile, racist, crass humans mm -hmm. and have a lot to learn. I mean, yeah. about <laughs> interpersonal skills, you know, sure. interpersonal communication. And yeah. so they both have been, well, one is a realtor and that happened, I think, a week ago. He has been fired. And the mm -hmm. other guy, the lease was cut short, his office space. Uh, he was an attorney, or he still is an attorney, but he lost his office space mm -hmm. because um, the building was like, no, we can't, <laughs> we can't do business with someone like this. And yeah. I don't think that most, I think most people, um, I believe in redemption for mm -hmm. folks. I really do. And I also believe that you do need to be willing to take a look at yourself and be self-aware or at least hear from people who care about you who are like, mm, no, this isn't cool and do some yeah. work so that mm -hmm. you can change from the inside out because yeah. the people that you're targeting, those are real people. You know, they are someone's, spouse maybe there's right. someone's partner there's someone's parent um there's someone's child they're someone's you know family member or loved one or teacher or whatever and this has impact like this is you know words matter and i like to talk on this podcast about impact versus intent and so yeah. some people say, oh, well, I didn't intend to. Right. Okay. That's great in your world, but it's not great in mine because you didn't intend to. However, the impact is real and it's there. Right. It's present. Right. right? Absolutely. So it's important to take a look at all of these things. Um, you know, was this happening because of your gender? Very likely. Was mm -hmm. it happening because you're a woman in science? Right. Very mm -hmm. possibly. Um, there are things that gender, you know, gender plays a role, race, ethnicity plays a role. Oftentimes, um, being a member of LGBTQ community plays a role. And so all of these identities, we have a confluence of identities, like I've mentioned before. And if mm -hmm. someone doesn't like a piece of your identity, an identity that is yours through no fault of your own, we slide down the birth canal the way we are, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? In yeah. terms of the packaging. Sure. And, um, some people feel like that doesn't fit, and so they do something about it, whatever that means to them. And, right. you know, acceptance really is an important piece uh, so that we are able to have conversation. Um, and I still believe in speaking truth to power and, yeah. you know, not backing down mm -hmm. and being authentic. Uh, right. You know. So thank you yeah. so, so much. Is there anything? So we didn't get to some of the other stuff. So Dr. Cap, 
<laughs> I am going to ask you, because I ask people while they're on the air, so they can't say no. Just kidding. Everyone can always say no. <laughs> no. I would love to have you come back on to talk about being a woman in science, because that yeah. kind of adds a different layer to this as well. Yes. I'd love that. Okay. Awesome. Cool beans. So is there anything last minute that you want to share with us before we kind of close, sadly? Oh, no, this went so fast. Um, I think I would just say that to any women who are listening, young or old, who have dreams and passions and things that they want to explore, right? I would say it's never too late and, um, you know, that you have, to, you have to go for it and you can't listen to your inner voice or the outer voices that may, you know, slow you down or make you think, you know, it's not for me. It's not what I'm meant to do. You never know because I, you know, I grew up wanting to be an entertainer. I had no thoughts of science and here I am with a PhD in geology and it's changed my life. So I think we have to sort of honor those curiosities that pop up in us and follow them, whatever that means. So I encourage women to just do that, you know, no matter what it is, go for it. That's awesome. Yes. And to that point, I wanted to say, if you're interested in going into academia, a larger scope, mm -hmm. um, and you are a woman, again, speaking in gendered language and interested in science or a member of an underrepresented racial ethnic minority interested in science or STEM, mm -hmm. please do it. Yes. Um, representation matters. Seeing people at the front of a lecture hall uh, or an uh, auditorium is really important. People that look like you, that's really important. Yes. And please don't allow the potential to have detractors get in the way of what, what you want to do. That's right. So two quick questions for you. Mm -hmm. So the first one is, you had mentioned that you had taken a, a, a science class that was related to people in non-science majors. Science so science what, what about geology oh, kind geology. of stirred your heart? Stirred your heart. Yeah, it was honestly being in an intro geology class because I had to. <laughs> And seeing these amazing images on the screen of places like the Grand Canyon where I'd, ne I'd never been. Um, I grew up in a family that didn't hike or camp and things. And so it really was just these places on earth that I never had been to. And I thought people make a living exploring uh, the Andes. Could I do that? You know, it was sort of a... And I'll, to be honest, my father had just passed away. I was 19 when my dad died, and he died um, like a week before I had to be back at school. And uh, so the day after I buried him, I went back to school my sophomore year, and I was just questioning everything. I was completely lost. You know, it was one of those moments in your life where you're broken and you say maybe things need to change. And so geology sort of came at the right time. And I just thought, this is it. I'm going to try something crazy. And um, see what happens. And it was the best decision I ever made. It took me to Tibet and back is where I ended up doing my PhD research and it changed my life. So it, it was a wonderful experience. That's awesome. And I'm so sorry to hear of your father's passing. Thank you. The last question I have for you is, is what do you do for self-care? Yeah. Um, so for me, a big thing is, um, exercise. So I, I'm a runner. So I try to run two or three times a week, um, which isn't a lot, but it's what I can work in. Um, but also um, I am writing a book. And so I really do try to carve time out to spend 
on that, which actually sounds like work and it is work, but it's also something that I'm passionate about. So to find that time and space to do something that I love to do and that's important to me that has nothing to do with my career, really, um, that's how I take care of myself. And then, you know, the last thing is just being, being with my kids as much as I can because they're a joy. That's awesome. Yeah. So friends, thank you for always supporting and giving me constructive feedback about this podcast. And I want to say Dr. Professor Cap, just because people are a-holes. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm so glad that you agreed to come on the podcast. I really have appreciated spending time with you and hearing more of your story from your own perspective. So thank you. Thank you for the invite. All right, friends. So Humans of New York, one of the latest stories, um, it appears to be a young woman on a park bench in New York City, and it says, I was not a tough kid growing up. I was timid. I was very sensitive to pain and other kids. I never wanted to do anything that made people feel worse than they already did, and God forbid I ever hurt somebody. That would just destroy me. I'm having to learn to dial that back as an adult. There's such a thing as being too compassionate. If you're too scared of causing pain, you can easily be manipulated. Your fear becomes a button to be pushed. In my last relationship, I was made to feel hurtful or aggressive whenever I stood up for myself. So I always backed down. I've got to learn the line between being compassionate and being a doormat, which is so perfect for mm-hmm. <laughs> what we just talked about. So yeah. friends, I'm wearing my warrior t-shirt. Uh, you know, you all are strong warriors and you have a place and a space and you get to take that room because you're enough. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there's only one of us. So friends, I hope you have a gratitude-filled rest of your day. My name is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, SheCast episode 96. Until next time, namaste.